how many understand this morning, Jesus has you on a journey. Amen. We talked last week about Matthew 25 and the fact that there is a broad way that, that Jesus clearly said that many find the, the broad way. There's very few people that find the narrow way. And there's only really two paths. You're either on the path that's going to ultimately lead to a place of destruction or you're on the path, which Jesus was very clear. He said, look, this path is narrow. I got to thinking about that a little bit more as I just pondered my sermon from Sunday on Monday and Tuesday, as I always do. And I kind of thought, wow, Lord, why a narrow path? And I felt like the Holy Spirit, for me, he was speaking to me, but maybe it'll bless you, is when you, when you go into a place that's narrow, you don't, you're not really able to bring a lot of stuff with you on a narrow path. Right. And I know a lot of people that are living their Christian life with baggage. Come on. <laughs> In other words, to go through the, he says, he is the gate. And we know the servant heart, the humbleness of Jesus, as we see in Philippians. And let this, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who was very in very nature God, but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself and became a servant. Amen. So when we read scriptures like that, we understand the disposition of our Messiah, Jesus. So if the, if the path is narrow, certainly the gate is narrow. And here's just the picture I got in my mind. Here, here's how I enter the gate into God's kingdom and take a road trip of life with him is like this. Amen. Got to go low. And it's so narrow, that doorway, that you begin to understand scriptures like lay aside the, the sin and the weight that so easily besets us to run the race that's before us. So my whole entire point of the last three weeks, which we'll end today here in Exodus 13 and 14, because when I began to think of, the, of a journey that we're on, that God's taking us down, and, and the path that he has for us, I began to just think back at different times in my life, especially the mission field, where have you ever been walking with Jesus and you because to, to go down the right path and to be on the path of life and to get the road trip that you desire, it's important to understand just two simple questions. Where are you and where do you want to be? Amen. When we've taken a few trips this summer, that was the most important question. Well, where are we going? And, and, and what you learn about, especially GPS, is, is when, you, when you Google a destination, it always gives you about three or four paths, doesn't it? And I want to encourage you this morning that sometimes the path that Jesus ultimately sets you on, has anybody else been going down the path? And you know that you know God puts you on that path. You're walking down a, a certain path, and you look up, and you don't really recognize where you're at. Has anybody else been there? Yeah. Absolutely. You're like, uh, and, and I won't speak for you. I'll just speak for me. There have been times in my life journeying with Jesus where I've looked around and I just simply said, are we lost? Yeah. That was a question Leah gave me a couple times. As I mentioned three weeks ago that we were in the hills of West Virginia and I turned my GPS off, turned my maps off because we were just walking around. When I got back in the car to GPS the rest of the destination, I had no cell phone signal. And look, I just relied on some of them old Boy Scout days. I was following the sun, y'all. I'm like, put my finger out the window. The wind's blowing from the east to the west. No, I'm lying. My Honda Pilot had a, it had a compass on the dashboard. That's what I did. Leah's like, well, how are you finding your way? I'm like, I'm following the sun, baby. I'm just like an ancient man, just finding my way through. But in all seriousness, our journey with Jesus can be like that. We can... 
I mean, I remember feeling called by God. The mission field was bringing a lot of these things up, so just bear with me for a little bit till we jump into our scripture. But, you know, when I felt called by God, God showed me. Is it okay if I just talk for a minute? Yeah. God showed me some incredible things I would do in ministry if I continued to follow him, if I continued to lay my entire life down. That's not a one-time thing, by the way. <laughs> I've actually found it's a daily laying down on my own life to take yeah. up his cross and follow him. So that's a big part of the path. And God showed me these things. And, you know, literally at some point I have not seen the fulfillment of everything he showed me in that period of about a year where I felt called into something, and most all of you know my story. I own my own business. I had a landscape design company. Loved God. Got saved. And God just began to speak to me and show me things that I didn't know, as the Bible says. And I was excited. I was super excited. Didn't have a spouse. And it, it, here's the prayer that I actually prayed at one time, just like what we were talking about a minute ago. Lord, even if you don't, <laughs> you have to get to that place on God's journey. You do. I didn't find any scripture in the Bible that said he for sure would provide me with what it was that I wanted. You hearing me this morning. Sometimes we come to God and we're like, you know, we actually had this conversation with our daughter yesterday. Because these things were on my mind and I picked them up and we were eating later on the afternoon. And she began to mention about getting married and I said, you stop right there. You stop. She's like, well, someday when I get married, and and I just gently said, I said, that more than likely is what God has for you. But, Holland, I want to show you something, that things during the path of journey with Jesus, you may look around and not recognize where you are. But I want to tell you this morning, this is my first point. Let me just lay it out there. God has a prepared path for you. Everybody say prepared. prepared. God has prepared a path. We can read Psalms like Psalm 23. And he literally says that. He says that he'll lead us into still waters and lush green valleys for his name's sake. And he prepares a path for us. He leads us in that path that he's prepared. Now what has happened, and I'm sure it's happened to you at times, is that the the lush green grass and the cool, calm, still waters, I look around and it's anything but that. Because God was telling me, I mean, I was, God showed me a few visions. He showed me a few things of my future. And, man, I'm just, I'm ready. And I, you know, sold my company. I felt called to Bible school. God clearly spoke to me where to go. Very clearly directed me. And it's a whole other testimony and story of how all that worked out. But I knew that I knew this is the path God wanted me on. So met my lovely wife there. God was directing me down a path. You see, if, and I'm not trying to talk about marriage per se, But I think this applies to all of life, that I wasn't pursuing a spouse or a calling. I was pursuing God. And when you're fully pursuing God and and going after him, like we just prayed about or sang about, when you're fully devoted and going after him, it's as you journey down that path and take the road trip with God that he adds these things to you. So we both felt, and this is another long story, we both felt, okay, we're going to go on the mission field. We're going to, you know, after we're married, I was either offered a position at my home church in Ohio as the associate pastor. And I kind of thought, okay, I've got a house. I've got, at this point, I had a three-bedroom house, had a car, had a fantastic job, had benefits, had everything else. And I'm like, man, it, I'm on the journey, and it's finally God. I already, I already sold everything and laid it down a few years ago and sent on that journey of, like, Abraham, you got to think of Abraham. It's like, Abraham, go. Where? I don't know. <laughs> Just go. God knew. Abraham didn't. So it was a walk of faith. 
and I'm back home from Bible school. I'm helping. I'm, I'm pastoring young adults in my church. We started a young adults group. It was growing. It was going so well. Everything's going good. I was engaged to Leah, and God visits me and says, that's not my plan. The mission field is. And I thought, well, when I get on the mission field, then I'm going to, okay, God, I'll follow you. But these visions and these things I've seen take place, I want to see those fulfilled. So as we got married, two weeks after we got married, we're living in a hotel room in Mexico City, leading teams of 30, 40, 50, 60 people every week for months. You just went on that team. Could you do that another three months? (laughs) I know what your answer is. No way. They have to sleep for six days now, right? So it's a supernatural thing. But listen, my whole point in saying this is I looked around and I didn't see the path that I thought I was supposed to be on from this perspective. God, what about all these things that I, you showed me back here? Because my first day in the dump, y'all, we worked in the garbage dumps. We, I was so excited. My first team, Lee and I were just married. Everything's set. It was hot that day. It was a spring team. No, it was the first, first week of summer. The team comes in. We're out there. Set up all the medical tents. Set up all the stuff. We're working, and there was about three or four teenagers over here by some. And to describe what the dumps are, I won't even try because it's something you literally have to taste and experience to really understand. But it's flies, it's hot, it's dusty, and mountains of trash within 10 to 20 feet of where you're working right there. And everybody lives in these places that they just dug stuff out of the trash, or there's crates, there's tarps. They're just living in whatever they can live in. And there's horse stalls on one side because part of what they did was hook up horses. They'd go in the community across the road, pick up trash. People would pay them. And then with the trash, the people who worked in the trash would get out things like cup, you know, uh, plastics and things to recycle, and that's how they made money. So right outside of the horse barns was probably an area the size of the stage right here about three inches of green, moldy, nastiest water. Who even knows what was in that water? Well, I found out. Because I went over and started playing with these three or four kids, and and we were kicking a soccer ball, and one of them kicked it really high up in there, and I'm standing near this big pot, and it landed right next to me in that three inches of water and, and spewed it up all over me. Oh. I even had my mouth a little open, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, I looked down at myself, started to go over to get a thing of water, and the Holy Spirit said, welcome to ministry. <laughs> Lord, this is not the path that you promised me. But if God really prepares a path like He says He does, just because you may not recognize where you are doesn't mean that He is not walking that path with you. Because there's something very powerful that we'll read here in Exodus 13, and I'll get to the Scripture here in a minute, but let me tell you what it says. The people of Egypt have been under the whip of Pharaoh for over 400 years. They have been under the boot of Pharaoh. They, generation after generation after generation, they have served Pharaoh. God finally says, it's time for my people to be let go. And as we pick up in the story here in Exodus 13, when he finally says, it's time to let my people go, we know the plagues came, the firstborn, and Pharaoh finally says, go. But let's look at this in Exodus 13 this morning, this passage of Scripture. Because what I found is there's a quick way and a long way 
And sometimes God likes to take the long way. Amen? Look at this with me. Exodus 13, verse 17. Give you a second to turn there if you need to. Exodus 13, verse 17. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, we just ask for your help. Lord, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the one called alongside. He's in us. He's around us. He anoints words to be able to penetrate our hearts, to bring us to a new level of faith in you. So, God, as we study the subject of the people of God and Israel that are going down the path, and many here that are on a path where perhaps, Lord, they look around and they don't really understand where they are, Father, would you just give them a reassurance that, God, you're, you're far less concerned about the path than you are the process of character that you're building in them, a process of faith that you're building in them, the process that you bring us through in order to bring us from faith to faith and glory to glory. So, God, for the hearers of the word this morning, I pray that it would go forth like a hammer, break hardness of heart, that it would light a fire, that it would be like sweet honeycomb to their soul this morning of understanding and knowing that, God, we do not walk this path alone, but you walk with us, God. Father, thank you for your holy word. We, we ask your blessings upon it, God, today, and help us understand it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So the question is, where are you and where would you like to be? In that moment, I did not want to be where I was. Amen? Yeah. I did not. I wanted to be anywhere but in that garbage dump and... There was stuff all over me, but God had a path up for me. So look at verse 17 of Exodus 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went out out of Egypt ready for battle. Now stop there and look. When I read that and saw the very end of it and said it was they were ready for battle, it surprised me because everything that's saying preceding that was saying that, wait, they were prepared, they were ready. So in other words, when they came out of Egypt, they were laden down with blessings. They had gold and they had riches and they had spears and they had swords and they had shields. God was not going to deliver his people from Egypt lacking anything. So they get out as a people with Moses leading, get out of Egypt and they begin a road trip. They begin a journey. It was going to be a narrow path. But if you're like me at one time in my life, especially for years that God just led me down this road where I looked around sometimes and thought, well, God, this isn't exactly what you spoke to me quite a few years ago, what are you doing in my life? Because I found this out really quick, really quick. We want the shortest distance to get to where God wants. Amen. Amen. I mean, naturally, and they would have too. If you had been in slavery for over 400 years, wouldn't you stop and say, wait, we can go right through there and, and receive the promise. But what we misunderstand about God is he's not so much just about the promise that he has for you. He's about preparing your character. In other words, sometimes we want the promise and God gives us process. And I came to tell somebody this morning that God prepares the road. He says very clearly in his word that God is not only with you, but God has gone before you and he's prepared everything. Everything's ready. You're on a prepared road this morning by God. When you're on the narrow road, it's a prepared road. But oftentimes we think, okay, God, I've walked two weeks in your promise. Where's my reward? (laughs) 
God, I've, I've served you for this length of time. And we often say, like the people of Israel would have said then, I don't want to go the long way around because it clearly says in there that they were prepared. In other words, when I stepped on the mission field, I had promises, I had fire, I had faith, I had all these kind of things that I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm prepared. I've been to Bible school, finally met my wife who loves Jesus just as much as I do. And we're going to conquer the world for Jesus. Woo! I'm standing in the middle of a garbage dump with green sludge all over me. <laughs> Wait, Lord, this wasn't, I must have gotten off path. See, we think that, don't we? Yes, yes we do. Oh, God, I must, I must have missed something here, but we misunderstand this about God. So the first thing I want you to understand, on the road trip of life, on the narrow path that God has for you, you're going to end up at places where you look around sometimes and think, Jesus, you got us lost. Yeah. Am, I, am I being honest this morning with anybody else besides me that... You've looked up and you're just like, this can't be where. And listen, can I encourage you this morning? It is not the final destination for you. It is part of the plan and process and preparation that God has because we forget this about God. He's far more concerned about who you're becoming than where you're going. Kufa, come, come on. He is. You see, because oftentimes we don't go through the process and preparation of the Lord. And when we do get to the promise, what he knew was simply this. And it says it plainly, but he knew this. Hey, I can't send them. Even though it says, and they, here's my thought. I I kind of, here's what I ask myself when I start a book of the Bible and I'm studying to preach or even just studying for devotions. I say, who wrote it and why? Moses wrote this book, right? I think he's almost like, hey, we were ready, by the way. Do you guys see that? Like, hey, we had shields and spears. I just want you to know, we could have went straight into the promised land, but God took us around the long way. Of course, Moses is going to say that because he's leading them, right? But they weren't. They may have had, listen, they may have had a, a sword and a shield, but there was something because preparation in this instance is, listen, it's about what we look like on the outside that we're prepared with. And for me, you would have asked me a question, are you ready for the mission field? been to Bible school. I took extra classes for missions. God told me to. I was in the line for pastoral. And God, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're in the wrong line. I said, huh? In other words, I was starting to head down this path. And I knew God would put me in that place eventually. But my point this morning is I've taken some long and winding roads to get to this place you're seeing this man standing here. But can I tell you what it did? It prepared me and grew me. So many people aren't in ministry today because they think something's beneath them, right? But they missed a total season of preparation that God was trying to bring them through. Because outwardly, if you looked at me, I was prepared. But I wasn't. Because we focus on the outward and God focuses on the inward. So he knew something in his people that, no, they're, they're not quite ready because God can bring you out of Egypt. You have, if you've repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ and invited him into your life, you've now started the journey on the narrow path. Yes. And you're, you're journeying that, that path and you're walking down that path. What I've simply learned is that we can be out of Egypt, but there still be a lot of Egypt in us. Yes. What does Egypt represent? Bondage. Listen, here, here, here's, here's where they were. They literally had a mentality that they couldn't do it. Yeah. That they couldn't really receive the promise of God. Some of you walk through life. You know, what I found is when I'm walking through a season, and what the season that it's referring to here in the Bible is he was going to take them the wilderness way. Yeah. 
The road trip that he had them on was one of going through the wilderness. And what were they learning to do? They were learning that it wasn't just a path of preparation, church. It was also a path of provision. Everybody say provision. Provision. So the path of preparation that they're walking down, and yours does too, it always has provision as you walk in faith down the road. I can't tell you how many times, Leah, you be testimony of times where we're like, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. And then a lot of times we still look at each other, we look at each other yesterday and say, what were we thinking? <laughs> oh, we were actually getting scolded by my daughter. Because we're like, yeah, I remember that time we took Hudson down there to the dump and he got this. And then we took him in the one clinic and they're like, don't bring him in here. There's tuberculosis with several of the kids. We're just like, okay, praise God, we'll see. <laughs> I'd take him back and keep him safe. But we just look at you like, what were we? We were trusting God. Because yeah. we knew we were on the path, so it always has God's provision as we walk down that path. But what the enemy is always going to do, and I'm telling you he does this. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but listen to me for just a minute. In the scripture we're getting ready to read, and you go ahead and turn to Exodus 14. In the scripture we're getting ready to read, um, what the enemy always does, it just like we see the principle there in the Old Testament, is Pharaoh's let him go. He's, they took with them riches. They took with them spirits. They had everything they need. God was providing for them, listen, with a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So in other words, it wasn't just a path of preparation. It wasn't just a path of provision. It was a path of his presence. Yes. And he's providing for them all along the way. And he's walking this path. And, but God had something he needed to work out of his people because what we don't understand about the enemy, and this is what I want you to know, as you're walking down the path, and I mentioned this last week, there are snares and toils and trouble that he sets up along the way that we need to be wise as serpent and as harmless as doves to look and say, okay, the enemy's trying to get in here because here's what happened. He Before, I was thinking of this driving here this morning, before he was like, well, if they want to worship their God, just let them go out. And let them worship and then let them come back into slavery. And I wonder how many of us live that type of life where we come to church and you guys feel great today because you worship God and then you're going to go right back into slavery tomorrow. Can I tell you, when God puts a period on the end of something, then God puts a period on the end of something. When God finally says that this is enough, you're not going to have to walk with this on your shoulders anymore, we need to believe God more than we believe a person. We need to understand that it's a path of preparation, it's a path of provision, and it's a path of presence because Pharaoh finally changes his mind and says, wait, what have I done? I'm going to go and get back. Listen, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. If your spiritual life isn't described by walking the path, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and you're just making your way in faith saying, God, I'm not sure what's out ahead, but I'm going to take that next step of faith. And you're walking down this path. Understand that it's oftentimes not God or even ourselves that begins to pull us back backwards. And listen, if there's anything about the journey and the road trip that I want you to understand is it's forward momentum. It's moving forward into the promise God has. They had a promise ahead of them. God had preparation in the midst of it. They had an enemy that said, hey, what have I done? And he comes out. So in other words, some of you have a spiritual rubber band, so to speak, on you that keeps pulling you backwards instead of moving forward on where God has for you to be. So Exodus 14, have you turned over there? So it's a path of provision. It's a path of preparation. Certainly a path of his presence. And God takes them by 
the wilderness. So there's a wilderness that he brings them through in verse 5 of Exodus 14. Let's look there. Or verse 10, rather. I'm sorry. Verse 10. So they've, they've gone out. God has led them to a place called the Red Sea. In other words, it's a place, literally, where they're hemmed in. There, there's a sea. There's nowhere else to go. And the enemies of God, and you guys know the story, but if you don't, Pharaoh and his, listen, his choicest military veterans and army and chariots are barreling down on them right there at the Red Sea. So this is what they say. This sounds a lot like us or me. Oftentimes when I'm on a place and I look around and say, "Uh, Lord, you've gotten us lost. Can I tell you this morning, he did not get you lost. He knows exactly where he's bringing you. He knows exactly where he wants you to get. The only thing that's going to hinder you getting to your promise is if you just sit down beside the path of life and don't get up and get moving. Amen? Amen. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched over after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Can I tell you something this morning? The enemy is willing to let you live in half victories, but not full victory. He is willing to let you be half blessed in your finances or half healed or, or your children half saved. No, 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 no. God is a God who answers and he brings us to a place where it looks like there's, it's an impossibility. But I came to tell some folks this morning, with my God, nothing is impossible. Amen. To those who believe, do I have any believers in the house this morning? The quick way is not typically the way that God leads us. So it wasn't quick. And they certainly had to have looked up in this instance and say, God, I think you missed it. I think you got us off track. Verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? <laughs> have you ever asked that question to the Lord? God, did you bring me out here to, to kill me? Yeah. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Are you listening to your pastor today? He absolutely wants you to die so that He can live through you. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Come on. But the life I now live, I live through Christ and Him in me. It's our hope of glory. So the answer that they were asking in that moment should have been, yes, He did. But He's not physically wanting to kill you. He's wanting to kill that side of us that thinks we know best. Come on. God, I know the exact date that I was supposed to get married. I know the exact date that I'm going to go on the mission field. I'm going to go. Because the preparation that God has, if you notice, because I've married people that they were prepared. They had the house. That's how I was. I mean, Leah and I kind of back and forth are like, this doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to her. It didn't make sense to me. had a great job, was in ministry, had been offered a position that I felt like years ago, years before God had told me I would walk in. None of it. None of it made sense to me. I, I Okay. Lord, you want me to sell my house, my car, quit my job again? This doesn't make sense. And I've married people that I sit down and counsel with them. And they're like, oh, we got the house, we got the car, we got, we're getting a puppy. We're going to have kids and it's not going to change anything about our life. I'm just like, <laughs> I got a front row seat to this, y'all. See, they are prepared, but they're not prepared here. Babies. We got the nursery, we got the crib, we got the walker, we got 
We're ready. And then I hear him say, and my kid will never do that. Like, go out with young adults. We used to work with them all the time. And we'd have babies. And they'd come meet us for lunch. And we'd be ministering to them. And you could see the look of disdain. Well, my kid will never. I'm like, I can't wait. Not, not just marriage. If you think I'm not talking in your terms with God's preparation and where he brings us, bless you. It's not just in marriage. Retirement. People are like, uh, you know, I, I picked out my house in Florida. They're all here, y'all. Every, every retiree is in Florida now. I've got the house. i got my bank account set. But listen, you can be equipped. That's my point. In the story, they were equipped, but they weren't prepared. God's process in the wilderness, in the wildernesses that he's brought me through on the mission field and all the things that I've done where I'm just like, God, this wasn't exactly. And then I'll give you another little snippet. Finally, you know, I got, went on staff at the church that I, I was uh, the missions pastor, associate pastor, all the different. I had about 26. They hired four people after I left, let's put it that way. They did. Our, the pastor of the church, that church has stood here and told you all that a few years ago. So I'm like, okay, this, I'm finally walking in my purpose and calling. I've made it through the wilderness of Egypt, Mexico City, Ecuador, Uganda, Netherlands, all the places. I've and one of my first assignments was an outreach. We were cooking a, a jambalaya for 300 the guy who was cooking it calls me up late one afternoon. He says, uh, all that meat's cut up, right? I'd bought it all. I didn't cut it up. And, and literally, he said, well, need all, all that sausage, and there was like 50 pounds of it. Boxes and boxes and boxes. And he made sure he told me, he said, I cook my jambalaya. I want those sausages a nickel, a nickel thick. No thicker than a nickel. And... It was late, didn't have anybody help me. And I remember I got all that out, started opening the boxes and dumping it into big plastic tubs. And I slid, sliced through that first one, and it was as, it was as thick as this. And I thought, that's just going to have to be good enough. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, welcome back to ministry. Uh-huh. Welcome back to a new path. Uh-huh. You see, we never graduate from serving. No. If there's one thing that I've tried to teach you all over six years, and this woman has too, listen. We never graduate from reaching out. We never graduate from understanding this is not meant to be a social club. It's meant to be a hospital for hurting people. If you want to know where you found yourself today, if you say, man, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm welcome. We don't want you to stay that way. I think churches just become places where we just commiserate of all of our problems. And listen, I I came to tell you, you've got a God that's got you on a path that there is a promise and a blessing. In, in, in retirement, people are like, well, I'm equipped. I've got the house. I've got my bank account. I got." But are you prepared for that stage of life and the changes that it brings? I know a lot of people aren't because I get behind Corvettes. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all. It's like, dude, you're 72. I mean, if you've got a Corvette, I'm not offending you, but... Lee and I'll be behind in line at the grocery store, and I just bump her and I said, Don't let me be that person. <laughs> Don't let me be. And she's like, I got you. Because I started down that road a little bit because, listen, listen, I was equipped, but God had a preparation for me, right? 
So verse 13, look back down at your, your scripture. They're complaining. This isn't the road we're supposed to be on Moses. They're probably blaming Moses. That's easy to do too, is blame somebody. Blame your pastor for the road you're on. Blame your boss. Blame your parents. You came into a hospital, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Quit blaming everybody else for what's going on in your life. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Now stop there, and I didn't plan on saying this. I didn't. When I read it this morning, it lit up, so I knew the Holy Spirit's on something in there, and I think this is it. Do not be afraid. The enemy is barreling down on them. They have every reason to be afraid. They, generation 450 years, they were in, in, they were in, the, they were in, the, uh, in slavery. Yeah. And they knew these were Pharaoh's best. And listen, when, when you're on the path that's prepared for you, when you get to a place where you don't really know what's going on and it seems like all hell's breaking loose and everything's coming down on you, you need to step back because really the only weapons that the enemy has is fear and intimidation. Uh-huh. Are you hearing your pastor? Yes. He, 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 when you're in God's care and control, when I say to Leo, what were we thinking? We weren't. We were trusting. Yes. You hear me? Yes. We weren't thinking. They were thinking too much. Oh, we're afraid. Listen, and, and listen to me real close. This is a word for somebody. I'm, I know it because I feel it leaving me. Listen. When he comes, what he's trying to do is steal your confidence in who God is. When you're on that path and you look around and think, this surely isn't where God wanted me. This surely isn't the path he had because it surely shouldn't be this difficult. (laughs) God's growing something in you. And the enemy comes along and he's barreling down and he's like, I'm going to finally get you. I'm going to finally conquer you. I'm going to finally bring you back into slavery. Can I remind you of what they had over them? They had a cloud of God's presence. So it's not just a pathway. Listen to me. It's not just a pathway of preparation. It's not just a pathway where He prepares us. It's not just a pathway that He leads us. Listen, it's a pathway into the very presence of God. Because like Moses said, God, as long as you're with me, I don't care about the path. So all they had to do was look up. Some of y'all just need to look up. Quit even focusing on the problem. Quit focusing on the, on, on, on the even path that you're on. And understand that as long as you are under the cloud of God's presence and glory, it doesn't matter what the enemy threatens. You've got a God who will save, heal, and deliver. And, and he's trying to steal your confidence in who God said he was. Because I got news for you today from the Word of God. It says that let every man be a liar and let God be true. Romans says that. And can I tell you a, tr- a very awesome secret to that verse? Most of you in here know that God is true. Does anybody believe God's true? Yes. God's word is true. What God says over your life, what God had said would come to pass, what God said He would do, God will do it. Yes. But you have a part to play. Yes. You've got to let God's word be louder than any voice of man that says you can't get to where God has for you. Because if God said, Jason Hanks, I'm taking you from a point A to point B, doesn't matter the route that He chooses, you just stay on the route with Him. And you're going to get to where God... Because God's Word does not return void, but it accomplishes everything that He sent it from heaven to accomplish. So He's trying to steal you. In other words, some of you just need to let God be true. 
You say, I know God's true. No, some of you need to let Him be true. Not in a way of like we're giving permission to God. No, 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 no. Some of you just need to let God's Word be God's Word. And if He said it over your life, you don't have to stress or sweat to accomplish it. All you have to do is do what He said. Here in this Scripture, you can read it yourself later, but I'm preaching right now. Come on, somebody. And you got to do what He said in the, in the good book. And He said, listen, stand still, because if you look up, Psalm 121, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord God, the Maker of heaven and earth. He made the chariot. He made the wheel. He made the swords. He made the, the horses that they're pulling. It all belongs to God. I said that last week. Remember, on the path, it belongs to God. So when you come up against difficulties, you're not in this fight alone. You've got God. So Moses is just saying, hey, stand and look. Because they were looking at the chariots, the horses, and what was the enemy was trying to intimidate this with them. Some of you just need to look up again. And understand you've got a God because I love the part. I love this. He says, these Egyptians that you see, you'll see no more forever. I love that. You got to love that. Because no more means the same thing as forever. He just said, you won't see him anymore. He says, hey, I just want you to know, no more forever. And Moses has something in his hand, church. It's a rod. Or a stick. But it's a point of faith and activation Where God says, Moses, I want you to stand up here and I want you, we forget our part to play. We forget that when God gives a word, it's up to us to begin to allow it down deep on the inside of us to begin to formulate something called faith. And can I tell you, when God has spoken a word, I have felt like, man, this can't be a fulfillment of it. I'm in the garbage dumps. I'm a minister in Mexico City. I never even wanted to go to Mexico City. I didn't even want to do this over here. But God had a path of preparation for what purpose? Because the man you're standing here today has been through some ups, some downs, some ins, some outs, some failures. I've learned more from my failures than I've learned from anything else. But this man has learned that God is true. That God comes through. Maybe not in the way that you thought. Because I found that even when He doesn't come through in the way that I thought, it's better. You say, man, that couldn't have been better. It's better because it changed me. It caused me to be a person who was more in love with God. It caused me to be a person that walked closer to God. I've gotten off track before. I've looked around and thought, God, I'm surely not in the place. And here's what I do. It's called repent. Repent just means you change your mind about the direction you're headed. And you're like, that ain't the right direction. Lord, where are you? And I'll find you. You find that place of His presence. Because God wants some of you to hear that that thing... God doesn't do anything halfway. But in the church, we've settled for halves. Some of you have gotten so used to just being half sick. Some of you have gotten used to being half broke. Some of you have gotten used to being just halfway. But God doesn't do things halfway. I have a God that says when He's going to deal with something, no more forever, it's no more forever. Amen? The thing you've been crying out to God for, the thing you've been believing for, the thing that you've been pursuing God for, you forget that He could have taken Him through the shortest little distance from point A to point B, and boom, the promised land. 
But that's, listen, God has a wilderness. And I've learned in my life, I've gone in and out of the wilderness seasons. It's not one wilderness and I'm done. I got good news and bad news for you today. If you came out of a wilderness, praise God, you're on the mountaintop. You are, you're on that mountaintop. Moses has the staff in his hand. And some of you just need to say today, what is in my hand? You may think, well, this isn't enough to see a miracle. Neither did the widow of Zarephath. Amen? This is just a little oil and a little flour. This is all I got, but I'll bake. And the man of God says, bake me one first. Can you imagine how she felt in that moment? She brings it out. He's a typical man. A little dry. Could use a little more butter. She wants to just... She goes back in and, and listen, it didn't run out. Listen, when you put God first and His presence first and His purpose first, you're on the path of preparation and you continue to put Him first. And church, you're not looking at a man that hasn't lived this out. There are multiple, many times where I'm like, I don't want to go down that road. When I came here the first time, I've told you all this. When I got the phone call, hey, you know, and my pastor knew I, want, I was going to pastor. It wasn't like he, I wanted to. It was like, this will happen. And you're looking at a man. I didn't have 100 resumes out there. I just said, Lord, I trust you. Right. At that point, I'd been walking with God for, for 18, 20 years. I'm like, God, I just, whenever the time's right, you'll open. Those. Some of you need to just also relax on the road. <laughs> yes. Enjoy the journey a little bit. Yes. My goodness. Thanks to Bill Spencer. He came back from a trip. He said, you know what? Didn't take any highways. Took all back roads. So when we're leaving, I'm like, Bill Spencer ain't going to do one better than me. Bless God. <laughs> Looked at Lee and I said, it's all back roads, baby. <laughs> God has taken some of you down a back road, but you don't like the back road. You want expressway. God is not an expressway God. We want microwave Christianity. Yes. Ding! You're at your promise, Mr. Hanks. God's a, a, a slow and low. <laughs> He's a crockpot God, y'all. Am I lying? And we say, ding! I'm done, Lord. Here's my promise. He just puts the lid back on. Turns up the heat a little bit more. A little something else needs to come out. Because there's a road of preparation. And I've lived this life. I'm just like, Lord. And they called me. Interested in a church down around Tampa. And my flesh got in the way. Tampa. I I started seeing Clearwater Beach and Blue Water. I'm like, Leah. We drove across 10, got off on 19. Like, surely there's something up ahead, Leah. We've been on the road for an hour and there's trees. There's no cars even. I'm like, oh, here's a little town. I think it was Chiefland. <laughs> like, oh. We came from, we live near New Orleans and Baton Rouge. I come from Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it was Mexico City we've been working in for years. I mean, we're, we're kind of big city people. <laughs> or am I lying? We like a good mall, Leah. <laughs> we do. We like some good coffee shops and things like that. Within reason. We're driving down. And I thought, of, God is. And then we arrived in Homestead. I'm like, how far is Tampa, Leah? Like, well, that's another hour and a half. I'm like, it's ain't Tampa. But listen, God wanted us here. 
So once again, I had to, on the path that he was leading us on, another thing that will just absolutely wreck you is to get comfortable on this path. Because let me tell you something, when it comes to the kingdom and the path, the road trip that God has you on, let me tell you something, everybody in here something. And this is where they were. This is where the people of Israel were. What did they want? They wanted safety. They wanted, hey, I know it was bad, pretty bad back there, but at least we had leeks and garlic. Some of you look at you, some of you are peering back. You're on the path, and God's preparing you for something right ahead. And some of you are so close, I'm telling you, it's right there at the door. But your roadmap isn't like somebody else's roadmap. My roadmap isn't like yours, but I do know the principles that are in play in stories like this because we begin to peer back and like, was it really so bad back here? Let me remind you of a scripture that he who puts his shoulder to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That'll sober you up, won't it? So Leah and I just keep our shoulder to that plow. God, Uh and here's the kicker is when you're looking back and there are good things. Because good is the enemy of the best that God has for each one in this room. And when it comes to the kingdom, let me tell you who your pastor is. We're starting to see the fruit of the vision of what we're instilling here. And what we're instilling are people just like what happened last week. People that say, man, I want to go serve somebody else. I want to love on somebody else. I want to help somebody else. I want to see other people come into the kingdom. God, I thank you for the path I'm on, but let's get some people joining us on this path of life. Amen. Amen. And we begin to walk down that road. We begin to move forward with God. And this is what I want you to know. When it comes to the kingdom of God, risk is right. Are you hearing me? In other words, most of you have stopped because you've quit risking for God. We, we, you've quit risking. Rick, I honor you for your service to go down there and to, to minister to those people. Because Rick said, huh, really should stay here because of this, and because of this, because of this, because of that. And when Lee and I would, and I went all over, even during the years we had kids, I would go do pastor's conferences in Africa and do all these different things. And my kids are starting to realize the danger of what we did. And so naturally it's like, well, weren't you? Well, of course I was afraid. Of course I was. When I went last time to Mexico City, I almost got electrocuted. Hanging the tarp, and if you've ever been in Mexican churches, nothing is finished. Uh-huh. And I was moving the slide in this, I was up on the ladder, sliding it down, and my ring that I'm wearing right here now today came in contact with a live wire hanging out the ceiling that I didn't see. Oh, oh, wow. And again, I'm not being flippant, but I laughed and I said, If I'm going to go to heaven straight from the mission field, okay. <laughs> Lord, take care of my kids and my wife, and He will. Do you understand? It wasn't a lack of fear. It was a bigger trust in God. It is. So when it comes to the kingdom, sometimes on the path that we're on, it's a path of preparation. Amen? He's prepared the path. And the preparation that he's done before you is walking through seasons when it looks like a wilderness. But the wilderness season is meant for us to get closer to him and realize he is the source of everything. It's to learn something about yourself along that journey. I've mentioned this before. My grandfather discipled me as a pastor for 43 years, pastor pastors for the last 15, 20 years of his life. And one of the first meetings that we had around the table with several of us, and he just said, you know, a question I ask myself at the end of every day is, Lord, how did I do on the road out there today? 
And the Holy Spirit will say, eh, yeah. lovingly. You understand when God brings conviction, that sword is dipped in honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, Lord, I see that in me. I see selfishness. I, I see a level that, God, I quit risking for you. I, I quit sowing like I know you want me to sow. Because like I mentioned last week, your blessings upon that path are not meant to be consumed. They're meant to be spread around. They're, they're, you're blessed to be a, a blessing. Amen? Yes. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. Buddy, if you'd come. Alexis, if you'd come. God, just come up here and begin to play. I'm going to start to come in for a landing, which means nothing at all. <laughs> Melissa's going to share a scripture with us. Go ahead, Melissa. Go ahead. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, Truly, truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, a seed, falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. We are seeds of Abraham. In Galatians 3.29, it says, If you're a believer in Christ, you're a seed of Abraham. Yes. But if the seed dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it. But whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be as well. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. (laughs) Y'all, that's it. That's it right there. It's, it's an invitation to come and die. It's absolutely a path of preparation. It's a path of provision in church. It's a path just saturated with the presence of God. But I've gone through wilderness times where I don't necessarily feel him. And listen, it's an invitation to come and die. Amen? Bow your heads. We, here's two things that I felt as I studied for this that God would, God would, the Holy Spirit, just two things the Holy Spirit would deal with. And number one, are there is there are people here that feel like God, I don't really have anything to offer you on this path. I don't, I don't really have a promise. I don't really have something that I feel like you have led me into or leading me to. And can I encourage you this morning that God can do more with the little you offer Him than what you could do in a million years on your own. The the little boy with the two with the loaves and the fishes. What was the key? He offered them to Jesus. So as I've talked about purpose over the last few weeks, as I've talked about the plans of God and the way God's leading you and guiding you, I just want you to know this morning that that you may not think you have much to offer, but can I tell you, in the hands of Jesus, it's everything. So if that's you and you say, well, I came in, I don't feel like I really have that much, but I do want to see God's promises and His purpose fulfilled in my life, can you just shoot up your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Praise God. Probably half the church. And, and, and honestly, I feel the same way sometimes. So let's let your pastor pray for you in this moment and just pray that God would encourage your heart, that he has a promised place for you. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I ask today for those like myself that raised our hands and said, Lord, 
most of the time I don't feel like I have anything to offer back to you. I, I know I'm walking the path. I know I'm with you, Lord. But God, today, as the pastor of this church, I pray that you would encourage their hearts. You would strengthen their hearts. That God, you would show them a level of deliverance from the hand of the enemy that they've never experienced before. Because God, you are a delivering God. You are a leading God. You are a God who has us on the path of life. For your name's sake, God, you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us down that path all the days of our life. So I pray, God, this day for those who just feel like, Lord, I only have a little bit. Can I encourage you right now? Offer it to him, church. Because He will do miracles with what you offer. Some of you just need to stretch your rod out like Moses did. It was just a stick, but in the hands of a person of faith, it parted the Red Sea. Some of you are facing a Red Sea, and I want you to know, I want you to know that you know your God is for you, and your God is walking on this path with you, and don't let the enemy intimidate you this morning. He's trying to steal your confidence. But God, today we declare we are confident in you. And then the second group of people is this. You've not started your journey. You have not come through the narrow gate. You are not walking the narrow path. You're on the path of destruction, the path that leads to death and destruction, which that path leads to hell. And there's many in this world that are on it. But today we want you to find the narrow way, the the, the way that is provisioned and life-giving is walking with Jesus on the narrow path. You say, Pastor, I want to start that journey by repenting of my sins and putting my faith in Christ. Would you just shoot your hand up? Anybody in this room? You say you want to start that journey. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Here's what your pastor wants to tell you is you're taking that step through the narrow gate. Here's what the Bible says. You repent of your sin. You believe in Christ and who he said he was. You confess that he is Lord. And then you begin to live your life, not for yourself, but for his glory. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I've heard your word. That you desire for me to repent. To turn away from my sin. Put my faith in you. So Lord God... I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross, rose again from the grave, and is seated in heaven. I hear his voice today. I put my faith in him. And today, God, lead me on the journey, on the path of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. This church is here for you, to disciple you, to come alongside loving, wonderful people right here in this church. And right now, guys, we're going to read our blessing. If it's ready back there, we're going to do our blessing this morning. And as I've mentioned several times, that this isn't some kind of, this is what I'm encouraging you to do over a period of 40 days. It started a couple weeks ago, so we got about three more weeks, is to begin to confess out of your mouth that you are blessed. You know why? Because you are. <laughs> Listen, you won the, the, the cosmic lottery. I'm telling you. If you're saved and you were born in the United States of America, you have won the cosmic lottery. 
Because if you're not saved, this world is as good as it gets. <laughs> if you're saved, it's going to get a lot better. Amen. Guys, let's read this together. I am blessed. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. I am blessed in the bowl. I am blessed in the field. I am blessed in the city. And blessed in the country. My family is blessed. My home is blessed. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. Everywhere I put my foot is blessed. Those that bless me are blessed. And I am a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you for today. Father, bless the people of God as they go. Keep them safe until you bring us back at the appointed time. I'm glad to see you in the house today. It's good to see folks coming back off your road trips and back in the house. It's important to gather together. Amen. Amen. Go in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless. Your pastor loves you if nobody's told you that.